Our text is the whole Bible today, so we won't read it all. But uh, There's an old saying that you can't see the forest for the tree. And what it means is we tend to look at what is right around us. And in the woods, you can see the trees right around you. And you don't see the whole forest. Therefore, you can't see the forest, which would take a large point of view. You can only see the trees around you. That saying reminds me of one of the last times that we went hunting with my father. He and I and Levi were going in a, to a place in the swamp to hunt deer where we usually went. But he decided, as he often did, that he knew a better spot. And so he wandered off on his own. We didn't know where he went. And at sunset, Levi I and I walked out of the swamp, and there was a game warden in the parking lot. He was checking things over, as they do. And along came my father from wherever he had been. And he said, I shot two deer. Well, right away I said, did you fill out your deer tags? He said, no. <laughs> I told Levi, take him over in the car, hurry up. <laughs> get him over there and fill those tags out. I'll stall the game warden. So... <laughs> After a friendly chat with a game warden, and after the tags were filled out, I said, okay, now let's go get those deer. Where are they? My father said, they're laying between two trees, and he pointed to the swamp. <laughs> now, there's hundreds of trees out there. And so I said, where are those two trees? He said, just walk around, you'll find them. <laughs> Well, in my case, I couldn't see the trees because of the forest. But fortunately, there was snow on the ground, so I backtracked his footprints. And eventually, by following his steps, we came to the two deer. And when we arrived, he pointed and said, I told you right there's two trees. <laughs> I admitted he was right. There are two trees right next to the deer. So I grabbed one, and Levi grabbed the other, and off we went. My father saw the two trees, right, that where he left the two deer. It was a typical of case that you can't see the forest for the trees. So he saw the small point of view, and I saw a larger point of view. As we read about the first Easter morning in the Gospels, it's another case of we can't see the forest for the trees. The people who experienced that first Easter morning told their own story of what happened to them. Now, their stories were faithful and true, but they had no idea of the magnitude of what had happened. <clears throat> so today I want to look past the trees and see if we can see the whole forest it was on Friday afternoon at 3 o'clock that Jesus died on that cross on Golgotha's hill. And the disciples and the friends of Jesus were shocked, stunned by what had happened. Friday night and all day Saturday, they mourned their loss and they were bewildered. They had no idea what to do or where to go. 
And when the first Easter Sunday arrived, and they discovered that the tomb was empty, it took them a long time to process that information. And finally, it took Jesus actually appearing to them to make them believe what had actually happened. And so the post-resurrection gospel accounts are all about Jesus' friends and followers coming to grip with his resurrection and trying to understand everything that had taken place. It is an earthly point of view where you can't see the forest for the tree. But if we stand back and take a wider view, we're able to see that the resurrection was an incredible display of the power of God. And so using the whole Bible as our text, we will trace the resurrection of Jesus from heaven's point of view. And first, we go to the Garden of Gethsemane, where Jesus was arrested and taken into custody. And I want you to listen to what Jesus says when they came to arrest him. I'm in Luke 22, 52. Jesus said to the chief priests and captains of the temple and the elders which were come to him, Be ye come out as against a thief with swords and sticks. When I was daily with you in the temple, you stretched forth no hand against me. But this is your hour and the power of darkness. Let's be very clear on this. The arrest and the trial and the crucifixion were very much a product of the powers of darkness. Satan played a major role in everything that happened. It was Satan who entered into the heart of Judas Iscariot and controlling his mind caused Judas to betray Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. It was Satan who sifted Peter, grinding him to dust, causing him to deny he ever knew Jesus. And remember that Jesus said that Satan was a murderer from the very beginning. And he was the father of all liars. And we can see the devil's mark all over the trial of Jesus. The hatred for Jesus. Screaming for his crucifixion. Beyond all reason, they clamored for his death. And they finally shouted, his blood be on us and on our children in their hatred. They accused Jesus of many things. Lies and more lies. Lies, hatred, mocking scorn, physical abuse. All characteristics of Satan and Satan's hatred for Jesus. The powers of darkness wanted Jesus dead at any cost. They wanted Jesus to die in hopes that he would be rendered powerless by death because after all, he was human. And so it was the powers of darkness celebrated when Jesus was nailed to that cross. And just like the Jewish leaders when Jesus was nailed to the cross, they thought, now we got him. We got him now. But if we look 
more closely at what happened, there are signs that something else is going on. Something like we've never seen before. Now, we've all seen death as it comes to take our loved ones from us. But there's something different here about Jesus. After six hours hanging on the cross, you would think he would grow very weak. Especially when it comes to talking on a cross. See, you could inhale when you were crucified. It wasn't hard. But in order to exhale, you had to push up on the nail through your feet and exhale. And of course, you have to exhale to talk. But Jesus, just before he dies, does something that the soldiers had never seen. It's very unusual. Luke 23 and verse number 46. And when Jesus had cried with a loud voice, he said, Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. And having said thus, he gave up the ghost. He cried out loud in a strong voice, showing he still has strength after all this time on the cross. And then he says, Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. And then he gave up the ghost, it said, or that is, he dismissed his own life. In John chapter 10, Jesus told his followers, No man takes my life from me. I lay it down, but no man takes my life from me. Death comes, and when our time comes, it just takes us, but not Jesus. Just the opposite. He took death. He didn't die because he was crucified. He laid down his life by choice, and then he took death by the throat. It had been prophesied from the beginning of the human race, the beginning of the world, in Genesis 3, that a man would come, born of a woman, the woman's seed would enter into a conflict, and the serpent would bruise his heel in that conflict, but he would crush the serpent's head. For six hours, Jesus hung on the cross in silence, He was the Lamb of God who opened not his mouth. He suffered as the Lamb of God. But before he died, he gave a great cry and he entered into the battle and with a bruised heel, he became the Lion of the tribe of Judah and his powerful jaws, he took the serpent's head and crushed it. And he began the battle. It was a song written by a man named Benjamin Britten about the baby Jesus. It says, This little babe, so few days old, has come to rifle Satan's fold. All hell does add his presence quake, though he himself for cold do shake. 
For in his weak, unarmed wise, the gates of hell he will surprise. And so he did when he left that cross. From his death, he gave a surprise attack. And the book of Colossians tells us that he destroyed principalities of evil and the powers of darkness, and he made a show of it openly, triumphing over them in his cross. And the cry went up from his victorious conflict as it echoed through the halls of heaven and was heard at the gates of hell. O death, where is thy sting? And O grave, where is thy victory? And then with the penitent thief by his side, he entered into hell and said, I'll take the keys. Revelation tells us that now Jesus holds the keys to death and of hell. Triumphant in his spiritual conflict, he had broken the power of Satan and he had crushed the serpent's head. But now, back on earth, No one knows what had happened. But the Jews will go to Pilate one more time and make one more request. I'm reading Matthew 27, verse 62. Now the next day that followed the day of preparation, the chief priests and the Pharisees came together unto Pilate saying, Sir, we remember that the, what the deceiver said while he was yet alive. After three days I will rise again. Command, therefore, that the sepulcher be made sure until the third day, lest his disciples come by night, steal him away, and say to the people he is risen from the dead, so the last error will be worse than the first. Pilate said unto them, You have a watch. Go your way, make it as sure as you can. So they went and made the sepulcher sure, sealing the stone and setting a watch. Still afraid of Jesus even after he was dead, the Jews want to guard the grave to keep people away. And so they go to the tomb, and over that great rock that covers the door of Jesus' tomb, They stretch very strong, thick ropes, another layer of protection. And then they pour hot wax over the ropes to make a seal so they will know if the stone has been disturbed. And then they have Roman soldiers stand guard at the tomb. And so the situation, Jesus' body is in the tomb with a one-ton stone rolled in front of the door, tied in place by thick ropes and sealed with wax. Roman soldiers with their short swords stand guard over the tomb, and they say, there, that should hold him there. There was a prophecy about this, about the attitude of the people who sealed the tomb, about people who wanted to get rid of God. It's in Psalm number 2. It says, Why do the heathen rage and the people imagine a vain thing? The kings of the earth set themselves, and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, Let us break their bands asunder and cast away their cords from us. 
He that sitteth in the heavens shall laugh, and the Lord shall have them in derision. God is laughing. He's laughing at the plans of men. In particular, God looks down at the tomb of Jesus and he laughs. It's a pitiful display of human power. The stone tied in place, a wax seal, a sealed tomb. Do not disturb. <laughs> Just watch how easily God wipes it all away. Matthew 28, verse 1. The end of the Sabbath as the day began to dawn and the first day of the week came Mary Magdalene and the other Mary to see the sepulcher. Behold, there was a great earthquake where the angel of the Lord descended from heaven, came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat upon it. His countenance was like lightning and his raiment white as snow. And for fear of him, the keepers did shake and became as dead men. So much for guards over the tomb. Huh? So frightened, they lost consciousness. It only took one angel. The ropes are broken as if you could snap them like a thread. The wax seals are scattered over the ground. The giant stone is rolled away. And the place shakes with an earthquake as it rocks the stable ground. And go ahead and look inside now. It's an empty tomb. Jesus has already come back to the tomb before dawn, healed his own body, transformed it into a glorious body, took it up himself, left the grave clothes folded neatly on the rock slab where his body lay, and he left the tomb empty and abandoned. He is risen indeed. On Romans chapter 1, we read something wonderful. Concerning his son, Jesus Christ our Lord, which was made of the seed of David according to the flesh, and declared to be the Son of God with power according to the Spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead. It says Jesus has been declared to be the Son of God with power. Alive again. He can now make it so that every human who will ask can have eternal life. He promises, because I live, you will live also. The power of sin is broken, and sin caused death. And Jesus broke that power and offers eternal life instead. And we can say ourselves, sin shall not have dominion over me anymore. And we have peace with God. On this Easter morning, as we join the Apostle Paul in Philippians, we say, like he said, Oh, that I might know him and the power of his resurrection. Matthew 28, just before he left the world, it says, Jesus came and spake to them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore, teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. Lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Because Jesus took the punishment for sin, because he suffered and bled and died, God the Father said, 
One time I will allow that. One time it happened, but it's never going to happen again. And so he gave him a name above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee in heaven and in earth and even in hell will bow down and confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Jesus says, all power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. So I want you to go tell anyone who will listen. I want you to explain what happened Tell them about Jesus. Point them to the cross and show them the empty tomb and declare that Jesus has great power because of his resurrection from the dead. And tell me, my friends, if Jesus said, do this, then come with me, we need to do it. Know Jesus and the power of his resurrection. It's a life-giving message. Because I live, he said, you will live also. And Jesus, with the power of his resurrection, has taken the sting out of death. He has broken the power of sin. He has made death nothing to fear. He has crushed the head of Satan's power. As the old song says, the powers of darkness fear. When this sweet chant they hear, may Jesus Christ be praised. And so, my friends, on this Easter day, I stand before you. I am not afraid to die. All my sins forgiven, knowing that if I resist the devil, he'll flee from me. And with certainty, I can tell you this morning, I'm going to live forever. Because the lion of the tribe of Judah has won the victory. And so we say this morning, he is risen. He's risen indeed. Thank you, Jesus, for rising from the dead. Thank you for the broken ropes and the shattered wax steel and the stone removed and the empty tomb. Shall we pray? Dear Heavenly Father, for the power of your resurrection, we stand in awe for what you did. We are grateful down inside that it has purchased us such freedom such a change in what we were before as we look death in the eye and tell them we're not afraid of you, as we look to live forever in a wonderful place that you have promised us. And the seal and the proof that these things are true is the empty tomb where the guarantee was made to us, you too can live forever. We thank you for that on this Easter day. We ask that you will... Take it into our hearts that we might understand the power of it all and the great grace of it all and the love of Christ. Help us, we pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. In closing, I'd like you to turn with me in your hymn books, if you will. Hymn number 498, He Lived. Standing as we sing, 498. I serve a risen Savior, he's in the world today. I know that he is living, whatever man may say. I see his hand of mercy, I hear his voice and tear. And just the time I see him, he's always.
Jesus lives today. He works with me and comes with me. I love life there away. He loves, he loves salvation to impart. You ask me how I know he lives. He lives within my heart. In all the world around me, I see his loving care. And though my heart grows weary, I never will despair. I know that he serpent's head with your heel. We are grateful that you have done this mighty thing, and we pray that our hearts would be thankful for it this day and would know the salvation that comes from just asking for forgiveness. We are thankful that you have loved us so much, and we just pray that our hearts would be ready to go out into the world and tell others about you. May we live in such a way that your spirit would come in us and have the power of Christ in our lives. We thank you for all of these things, and thank you for this wondrous day of resurrection. Just bring our hearts closer to you, we ask, for all these things in your name. 